Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things Real Housewives. My name is Ellie Nunn, and joining me, I'm sick of your nonsense. No, fuck, I fucked it up. No, we're not allowed to put that in. I'm going to have to say it again. <laughs> no, I'm going to have to start it again. What does she say? <laughs> Who Kim says or Kyle? <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it right. Wait, I'm gonna get it right. <laughs> oh shit! What does she say? Oh, are you saying I've had enough of you? No, 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 no. Okay, okay, okay. it's fine. I'll do it better this time. <clears throat> <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to the housewives archives a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things real housewives my name is ellie nunn and joining me is a stubborn old man it's james <laughs> evans oh, hello ellie how are you darling i'm doing good <laughs> yeah. that's my best that's my ken impression oh very good oh, hello, it kind darling. of is reminiscent of other of other ken i have to say oh yeah just no. british Cat, yeah, it's it's very um. Li- I don't know. All I can think of is, is how he says Lisa, which is Lisa. Yeah. Yes, Lisa. What's his famous quote um, that he does? That's the equivalent of Kim's when he's like, "I'm so sick of this." What? It's the equivalent of Kim's stubborn old. Oh man. well, it, this famously um. Goodbye, Kyle. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, it's said with a very kind of Muppet seat. He has like a bubble in his throat. Yeah, Goodbye, yeah. Carl! <laughs> very, very good. Oh, I'm so oh happy to God. see you. How are you doing? I'm really good. I tell you what, I'm actually, I'm feeling very nostalgic this week. I've gone on a real trip down memory lane. I've been watching season seven of New York at the moment. Ooh. And I'm just loving every second of it. I mean, I stand by what I said a couple of weeks ago. I think that the recent season of New York wasn't that bad. However, no. this was vintage New York. And yes. it's so it's so autumnal, which is completely my vibe. Yeah. It's just so It's like watching when Harry met Sally or completely, something. It's just yes. like it's just goodness. It really is. You're just- so right. It's been in my mind as well because Mace has finally, um, I love that, you know, we talk about Macy as if she's like the third silent partner (laughs) in this podcast, but she has just got to, um, please don't make it be about Tom. (laughs) It's about Tom. And it's felt like a real full circle moment because the impression I was doing of you doing an impression of Luanne on that Eurostar where I got her and her entire family into Real Housewives was that very episode. So it feels like finally there's a sense of completion. And was it a complete anticlimax? Because of course it can't be as no. great as our take on it. No, no. I think she's been thrilled and it's been great for me because for the last six seasons or whatever, she's been saying, I don't understand why you hate Luanne. Mm-hmm. And I kept being like, trust me, you just, you'll get it. And I suddenly thought, maybe she won't. Maybe we'll just have differing opinions on Luan. And she's finally got to that season where Luan is just one, like one of her peaks of obnoxiousness. Oh, for sure. I'm getting married season. And it's just really satisfying for me to be vindicated that she's finally got there. I, you know, she, it is what it is. You know, either you love it or you hate it. And Luan really fumbled the ball. I'm not starting this with Yeah, Whatever, yeah, we have to, we have to move on. (laughs) The other thing, talking about people who you either love or hate though, it was really, really nice getting to see the genesis of Dorinda. And it's a reminder Mm. of how she really was one of a kind. She's some of the best casting they've ever done. She like fit in seamlessly with the other women from the get go. Like you would have thought she was there from the very beginning. And she totally. so immediately conveyed a very recognizable type in a way that was very authentic. Totally. And she's a really interesting mix of relatable and kind of aspirational. Yeah. I both like wanted to be Dorinda, but also didn't feel impossibly far away. Completely. We could all relate to Dorinda. Speaking of um, aspiration, I, I have to talk about your setup today. I'm sorry, I have to do this, but you're really giving me <laughs> major Kathy Hilton vibes. So for people who can't see her, she's currently broadcasting from her bed. 
because of some technical issues. That's that's what she's calling it. I don't know if I believe her. I just think she can't be bothered to get out of bed for me anymore. You think I'm just in bed at 6.30 p.m. on a Saturday <laughs> as well? And the fact that the iPad, you didn't want it on your lap. So you've now put it on the floor. So I'm like looking up at you. So I feel like one of your Pomeranians that you're howling at. It's it's really giving me Kathy. It's massive Kathy vibes. Yeah. It's made even better by the fact that I immediately logged on to show James that I have a huge spot between my eyebrows that I fiddled with. <laughs> so it's like really, really red and it looks like I have a third eye. So it's going well for me today. That is our special guest for this episode. The third eye. It has a lot to say about late Kim Richards. That made it sound like she died. As in late Kim Richards. (laughs) The late great Kim Richards. The late great Kim Richards. (laughs) I love, I was just watching the bit when Kim goes, she cries, lies and denies. (laughs) And you know what it was reminding me of? It was reminding me of Dorinda's amazing, um, uh, say it, forget it, write it. It's basically Rupee Cow. I, mean, I know it's not. She's not quite stuff. a Tyler Perry, but Rupee can but aspire to greater things. Can I quickly say about Rupee Cow? Yes. Just for anyone listening who loves Rupee Cow, especially since you showed me those amazing Housewives images that are like done up in the style of her poetry. Oh yeah, which made me laugh so much. I really advise everyone go and have a look at that. What's it called? It's called like at Housewives Haikus or something like that. It's it's a great account and you must follow. Absolutely. But I just really want, please, please, please write in if you know what I'm talking about. That for me, Rupee Cower sort of ruined Rupee Cower for me this year or last year in lockdown. I used to love her poetry. I have all of the books that it's so like gut punchingly, like I'd read one of her like three line ones about, you know, how you left me is how I'll always remember you or whatever and just be like, oh yeah, it gets you like right there. And then I watched her perform some of her poetry and was horrified to discover it is the most self-indulgent. It's just a real example that it should be read on the page and absolutely not seen, performed. And I really recommend that one goes and has a look at Rupi Kaur doing her own poetry. It might be for some people. It might really work for them, in which case, amazing. She's not ruined for you. If you find things like that a bit cringe, she does like hand gestures where she'll be like, the way you were inside of me, like honey, like it's, it's very intense. Isn't that just kind of spoken word poetry in general? It's that whole patter that I just can't get on board with. It's very kind of like saying something very quickly and then slowing it down. And there's like, "Mm," and like, oh, I'm waiting for my food delivery. It's like, um... It's a lot of wank, but I'm aware that you and I absolutely can't talk as two actors. <laughs> Complete. We're the wankiest of them all. And I own it. And we wear that crown with pride. And I own it. Own it, it baby. I'm going to take that crown and put it on my 20-year-old <laughs> hairstyle. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to get into Rinna and Kim. We have so much to talk about today. Let's so do let's it. Let's do it. So let's where we left, uh, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. So we ended season two. Kim's really hit her rock bottom. And she's she's dumped Ken, she's starting a whole new season. And I have to say, this is kind of the beginning of a bit of an upward trajectory for Kim. And one thing I want to talk about in season three is we kind of mentioned it briefly from Taylor's perspective a couple of weeks ago, but it's really nice to see that intervention that Kim and Kyle have with Taylor yeah. because it's really an embellishment of what we were talking about last week when Taylor's having a nervous breakdown in Beaver Creek and Kim is like playing mother hen and really patient with her and she's talking to her. And it's nice to see Kim step up to the plate, identify there might be a problem with Taylor and her drinking and nip it in the bud straight away. We kind of see her talking with the most clarity and wisdom that I think we've ever seen from her. And she really struck the right balance. And ever will again. And ever, yeah. It was really lightning in a bottle, wasn't it? (laughs) And I think she really struck the right balance between sort of taking it seriously without scandalizing it. For sure. And she kind of very much 
kept it between her and Kyle. She didn't spread it around the group and she she worked fast. She turned up to Taylor's house and just gave it to her straight. No, she smashed it. She did it really well. It's an interesting comparison to something like Luan and Dorinda in Cartagena. I know that the circumstances differ in many ways, but there was no holier-than-thou-ness about it. Kim really yeah. spoke with a lot of honesty and she was very humble and... She gave And it- like you say, it was private and it like wasn't shared with the group. And so there was no risk of that. I think it's partly why Taylor takes it so well that you don't talk to someone whilst they're vulnerable and defensive and humiliated yeah. as a result. Yeah. So, And she gets what she gives. And then Taylor, as we said before, she handles it with complete grace. And it really yeah. is a rare it's, it's moment. A re- it's shows. a real high point for all of them. Yeah. Absolutely. But now let's get to the dirty stuff. So on the back of that, I think it's the very same episode. Kim had recently had a nose job, which... <laughs> I don't know why it just really makes me laugh and it looks great she looks amazing and I'm a bit confused about this I thought I remember seeing a talking head of her talking about she didn't, didn't have Kingsley any... kick her in the face oh is that why I thought she just wanted one because it was the new improved Kim that could also make sense as well. I'm confused because I swear there's definitely a storyline where Kingsley kicked her in the face and broke her nose or something. I think Kingsley's later on because that's like her season four storyline. She doesn't really do much apart from training this fucking pit bull. <laughs> Kingsley, yeah. Should we just move on? I don't know. I just wanted to talk briefly about no, the Paris No, no. <laughs> talk about it. I... Talk, yeah, you talk because I think where, um, where I pick up is pretty much like Rinna and okay. that car journey so you talk about Paris quickly okay and <laughs> I'll, quickly. I'll move through you, you speed through Paris <laughs> but you know we're, we're on the clock here James <laughs> I mean a lot of it is just kind of like treading the same ground I guess but it's just she makes a point I swear of saying I'm foregoing any pain medication for this nose job that I've had and I've taken that really seriously she does, in my sobriety yeah. but then we get some very odd behavior on the group trip to Paris. Yeah. And it all kind of, it's basically just one scene where they all sort of land and they're all a bit jet lagged and they decide to have a nap and then freshen up and rally around on Brandy's balcony. And Kim's late and then she turns up and it's just, it's like vintage drunk Kim all over again. And she's Mm. messing her hair up and her hair's like sticking to her lip. And she's like, hi, hi, hi. And she's kind of like doing this like baby whisper and like shrugging her shoulders. And then Lisa Vanderpump says to her, like, how long have you been here for, Kim? And then Kim's like, I've been here for days, Lisa. (laughs) And they love sharing that moment again and again. And I just think it's worth mentioning because we haven't, this behavior is nothing new for Kim, but... No, but it's like sprinkled through the seasons, isn't it? It's sprinkled through. This constant, like, is she okay, isn't she okay, that's really going to form this whole episode, I think, which is how justified are the other women in their concerns for Kim over the seasons. It feels like a pressure cooker. And it's it's a lot for Kim because they then... They're, they're concerned about her, Vanderpump in particular. I think maybe the next day Kim is running late and they go knocking on her door and she eventually opens and she says that she just fell asleep and, you know, it is what it is. And then suddenly you have like Kyle crying to her saying, every time you're late, I'm worried. And I think of the worst case scenario. I'm worried that this is the moment where you've overdosed or something and you're going to go to sleep and never wake up again. And it's, a, that's like a lot to hear from someone it's a lot to have every, constantly assuming the worst it's hard isn't it because kim kim gets really upset because i think she's a bit like you all always assume the worst but it's difficult because what effectively is becoming a parent is sober or not kim is just an incredibly like disorganized inconsistent right. frustrating person yeah. to be around and she hates that they're all constantly drawing attention to that but the thing is that is also just a, like even if she was sober it's behavior that would still she behaves as if it's only being paid attention to because of her having a drinking problem when the truth right. is i think on any trip if someone didn't show up they would go looking for them so and also, it's hard. I, it, I i agree what you're saying that like kyle 
you know, it's problematic and, and what she says is a very extreme thing. But I do think Kim is one of the worst on Beverly Hills for accountability. Completely. You took the words out of my mouth. This was, I was going to say, the other side of that coin is that it might feel like she's being held to a higher standard, but she kind of has to be because she hasn't earned that trust back yet. Exactly. And she has to be exactly. hyper-organized. And unfortunately, she isn't. And it's one of the great things about this show there are sometimes the best moments. Everyone's a little bit wrong. Everyone's a little bit right. And it's just a very complicated, interlinked ball of mess, which really, I'm taking your point about her not taking accountability. That is like the crux of the issue as we go into season five. I was going to say as well that throughout the seasons, it was really interesting to go back over seasons five and six and seven, having a look at Kim's trajectory. And this question of accountability is really at the forefront with Kim, which is, what becomes more and more frustrating as a viewer is the hypocrisy of her entire outlook on the show. And I guess that's also just what I want to talk about today. Yeah. Is that it gets to a point where she's contradicting herself within mere moments constantly mm-hmm. as to whether people's responsibility on the show is to be truthful and have everything out on the table and have each other's backs and loyalty or whether everyone's position should be to keep Sturm and not bring up anything personal on a show, on a reality show that's about showing your lives. One thing to bear in mind as well as we go into season five is there was like a little, in the little Kim package in the season four reunion, we get clips of, you know, her being wacky and they're very quick to push this idea that this is Kim's fun season and she's like got her groove back and everything's great. And it's reassuring as a viewer, I guess, to hear Kim say to your point that this show is ultimately good for her because it gets her out of bed in the morning and it keeps her accountable specifically in her journey to sobriety. And I think as a viewer, we maybe needed to hear that, even if we don't agree. And I think it does more harm than good. Totally. At least she's cognizant of the situation and she's made her own supposedly informed decision. So then it's interesting to see her completely go back on that as we go into season five, when she really takes umbrage with Lisa's concern in quotation marks or whatever yeah. you want to think of it. So in it's the episode where they all go to Eileen's house in Malibu for a poker night. But before they do that, that same episode, they all go away to a spa getaway, which is all fine and dandy. And it ends with them all going to a wine tasting. And supposedly mm-hmm. there's this major misunderstanding and they think they're having lunch and then they're getting wine to pair with the food. But when they get there, it's just a literal wine tasting with food supplied by Dana Wilkie. And it's just like a, nothing there. And it's like just <laughs> wine that they have. So they're all... Just sa- breadsticks. Yeah, they're just breadsticks. That's it. And like a couple of olives. And they're all sat... And the- some meringues. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're all sat at the bar. And literally at a bar, just knocking back glass after glass of wine. And then Kim's stuck at the end and they've given her like a Shirley Temple or something or like a, a, yeah. a mango smoothie. And she has nothing to Welcome do. Welcome to my life. I don't know how you do it. Honestly, respects. I'm a big, big fan of, I've got my tonic water here on the you go. You do like a tonic water. I know that much. Love it. And it's, it's awkward and Kyle's mortified and... In fairness to Kim, again, she handles it really well and she kind of acknowledges that it's a bit she of a She doesn't just handle it well, but like it leads to her and Kyle sitting down and having one of the most grounded, honest, yeah. calm and kind conversations that they have in any of the seasons in which Kim doesn't just handle it well. She's actively saying like, it's not a big deal mm-hmm. and that she's like, it's fine. I'm like, I've got it. I'm fine. And it is so bizarre in one episode, the way that it swings from a real sense of Kim as finally not just being great, but being okay, being in some way healed, to proper old school Kim. I mean, one of the weirdest we ever see. Like you get whiplash from it. It's a complete 180. And the only hint that we get that this is going to happen is that her storyline is she's taken in one of her ex-husbands, Monty, who's dying of terminal cancer and she's sort of nursing him. And she kind of says, even though they broke up and it didn't work out, they got married very young, but he's been one of her dearest friends throughout her life and they have a real bond. So we get that there's maybe some emotional toll that's taking place. But apart from that, we just think this is going to be one of many parties there's no build-up no build-up exactly and you really see that in lisa rinner's reaction from the second kim gets in the car that there's no sense unlike previous scenes across the seasons where perhaps you can tell people 
you put it really well in the last episode about the season one reunion, the way all the other women are behaving as if it's a finale. Yeah. Like they're ready for a mad scene. And you know, you know, we see it with New York a lot when by her last season, when people were being put in a scene with Aviva, it's like, be ready for crazy. Be ready for her to like whip out her x-rays. And in this, Lisa Rinner seems so disorientated so quickly. I have to say the whole scene is one of the most uncomfortable, dissociative. It's like they're in some weird parallel universe. And Completely. You can totally see Lisa Rinna, like the viewer, grappling with how to play it and how to respond. It's it's one of those rare moments on these shows where normally when people report back an unfortunate incident or an argument that they've had, they normally embellish it and make it seem much worse than it is. And you're like, all totally. right, steady on. This is one of the inverse where I'm amazed that Lisa didn't- Lisa Rinna se- totally underplays Takes it. it in her stride and puts on a brave face. And I would have been so shaken. And it's like immediately, like she gets in the car, Kim's like, I'm putting on lip gloss. And Rinna's so ridiculous. I love Rinna. Everything she says, she's like an MC. She's like so high energy. She's like, put it on. And she's like, how are you, Kim? And then Kim, she's like, I'm ornery. And then what like, does what? it mean? God. Do we know what that means? Have we like looked it up? I think it's like irritable. I think like an old man is is ornery, maybe like old man I've Jenkins. Never heard of that word. It's like ever. a weird. I think it's an old fashioned word as well. It's it's like very. So the fact that that came out of Kim's lexicon anyway. But she keeps saying it. It honestly, she's saying it like she's in a cult, and it's like a safe word or something. Yeah. It's so. Strange, and even the fact the show has to subtitle it because who knows what that means? Well, it's, no one knows what it means, and also she like growls it. It comes from like the depths of her soul, like. Yeah, and then Kim just starts monologuing about Monty and his condition, how it's worsening and it's taking. Well, before a toll that, doesn't. Oh no, sorry, yeah. sorry, you were right. And then Rina, off of that, like a normal person, is like, "Well, I feel bad for you. You know, it's hard." And then yes, Kim's like, "Well, don't fucking don't feel sorry for me." You bitch, you don't know what I go through <laughs> at night. And Rinna's like... Lisa Rinna's nervous laughter where she's like... <laughs> like oh, well, no, I okay, don't. Okay, okay, sure, no, all right, okay. And then Rinna's then trying to change the subject and they're talking about Kim's like, maybe I should acting? get back into acting, but I don't know if I can do yeah. it. And, and then Rinna's like, no, I think you can go there. You know, you did it your whole life. And then Rinna's like, do you think I could play like a murderess, sexy murderess type? And Rinna's like, yeah, sure, you could do it. And then Rinna has a go at playing this sort of femme fatale. And it's just lots of like smizing and squinting and pursing of her lips and looking Kim up and down. It's like they're doing this weird little like backseat role play. Yeah. And Kim's so invested in it. She's like, oh my God. Oh my God, I could see it in your eyes. And she's like biting on her (laughs) finger. She's going to bite her finger off. And I'm not sure if, I mean, Rinna doesn't know either, if she is doing this role play and they're like yes anding each other. But for some reason, Kim's just yeah. like, fuck you. Fuck you. You're disgusting. I know, this Slut. the sweat. Fuck you. What are you doing to me right now? Slut. <laughs> fuck you. It's like every <laughs> every drama school session you ever had. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing to you me right it. now? <laughs> Go punch a wall. <laughs> now i believe you this is kim kim's just showing off her coaching ability she's like i'm now available for one-to-ones yeah no it is it's so like wizened old school new york teacher like she's got a leg spread she's got a pashmina on and she's like what is the subtext of what you're saying yeah you're saying fuck you right you're not just saying hello how are you you're saying fuck you you piece of shit i got your number (laughs) now do it again (laughs) it's so funny for me because watching back that scene because i have my own issues with lisa renner but it's weird for me watching back these episodes because i liked lisa renner that i was very on lisa renner's side for this season we may have to do a renner episode i mean there's just uh, this yeah i i feel the same way Right, exactly. And it's funny. I mean, we've had this with so many people on these shows where it's always odd when you go back and watch them at a time when you liked them. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, I really like this side of Rena and I really, I find her very funny. And it, like a lot of them on the show, it's sort of before they became a pastiche of themselves. Yeah. 
So there's something quite authentic about Rinna's high energy and own it and all of that, that now I find really insufferable. Well, there's a difference between, I completely get what she's saying when she she says in this season, I'm calling out bullshit when I see it. And the bullshit is much like Brandy at Game Night Gone Wild. Kim isn't well and everyone's pretending like she's fine. Yeah. That's very different to calling okay. out bullshit, like whether or not Denise slept with Brandy. Like, who cares? Yeah. How weird is it watching this episode to see after Game Night where Brandy you know, we all totally agree with her that she's like, Kim is acting like she's inebriated Mm -hmm. and no one is saying anything. To have this episode where Kim is absolutely acting like she's inebriated and Brandy's there being like, why would any of you call it out? Why would any of you draw attention to it? Mm -hmm. She's fine. Just let it go. It's so funny to see Brandy do such a 180. Completely, yeah. In like how to handle it. Which is why, I mean, it... It just kind of feeds into this idea that Brandy, you know, I'm sure she does care about Kim, but it just reinforces this idea that actually Kim's just this sort of pawn between Kyle and Brandy. And it's more kind of like exerting her dominance and getting one over on Kyle. Like Totally. And we have such a mirror image here that like rather than where previously you had Kyle and Kim in the bathroom where kyle was almost enabling kim or or encouraging her here you have you know kyle taking kim into the bathroom and i think genuinely trying to mouth rather than say yeah you know sometimes they go off into the bathroom and like they know their mics are still on but they're like don't want to be seen i think kyle genuinely is like i'm not saying it on camera right but it looks like you're drinking. No, you really see the colour drain from Kyle's face when like, you see her realise in real time that Kim... Because Rinna, like we said, did a great job of not going, holy fuck, what just happened right now? And so she's... Can I say that generally from from their arrival to Eileen's, this episode feels so disjointed to me that I wonder whether they had to cut a lot out... You know how now in later episodes with the Bravo Bravo thing, obviously, we're more aware that they have ways of cutting around the show for what people don't want in it. This episode, to me, screams of one that had a lot taken out of it because it just doesn't make sense. Uh, it They arrive. So Brandy gets very drunk very quickly. Mm-hmm. I know she's pre-drinking. We have that great shot where... Um, Eileen really makes me laugh when she's dinging the glass, but for some reason they've cut the sound of the other women clearly still talking. So it's just this really odd shot of Eileen dinging a glass for the longest time, <laughs> looking really exasperated, but in silence. It's right. so, it's just like they slightly do the dirty on Eileen there, mm-hmm. then like, because she has no personality. Bless her. But from that point, we get this poker game where everyone gets very antsy and very angry very quickly in a way that because I think. I mean, perhaps the poker night is just very long and boring, so they've cut it right down, but it means that you get these quite odd reactions from people that we haven't seen the build-up to it. Yeah. So you've just got, like, Kim behaving very strangely and Kyle and Lisa Rinna getting very annoyed very quickly at their, like, frustration with not just not being able to play the game, but it being pointed out that they're finding it difficult. It's just like a very bizarre... And then suddenly it's like the end of the poker game and Brandy's like being a complete bitch. And it's so it's so weird, that section, I think. It, yeah, and then they suddenly have dinner after... It like, makes me feel drunk. No, it <laughs> like, makes me feel makes drunk me because feel they're, like like, they're, they're, like they're wrapping there. it up and then they're like, okay, Kim, let's go. And then it's like, don't you want to slice a pizza? And it's like, oh shit, there was like a whole spread of food here that we didn't know anything about. Yeah. So it can't be that late in the evening either. It's just very bizarre. No, I know, I know exactly. But what also, you, you get that weird moment where it's like Brandy wins for no discernible reason, apart from like she plays the last hand, and then gets up and does this really odd, almost sentimental speech of like it just means so much because I'm not an actress, yeah. just like thereby insulting like every other person at the table, right. <laughs> all of whom are actors. <laughs> But it's like really weird. She's trying to do it in this like faux authentic way as if it means something where it's like you literally just won a... And there's also a really weird moment where one of them, I can't remember who it is, makes a joke that the trophy was bought at like... Oh, Eileen's really pissy. And Eileen's really (laughs) defensive about it. She's like, no, that is not fair. As if it... Take that back. (laughs) 
and it's it, like, all right. again, I'm like, I feel like we're missing. I get, I think we're missing Completely. a lot of whatever this night was. Because also Eileen's like, I've lost control of the evening. And we're like, we haven't really seen the evening. Yeah. No, it's very disjointed. Very, I, I, all I can say is this is another one of those moments where Lisa Vanderpump isn't there. And maybe she was the glue that we needed to hold She's the glue. Together. And we just needed some kind of stability that we just did not have. But you're right. Yeah. Like Rinna gets very antsy when she, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, She's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And it's like. <laughs> I, I also t- really relate to Kyle's Kyle's frustration that she doesn't get the game. Like, I feel like we've all been that person no, who doesn't I've, get the game. I've been taught enjoying. poker, like, <laughs> I've been taught poker about 15 times. And it's incredibly frustrating. And there is a, like, and it does make you feel stupid. Like, if you just don't have that brain, like I do, it's very frustrating. And I think exactly. it does bring out the worst in you. So then Brandy decides that she wants to take Kim away from this toxic, toxic environment. Sort of theme of the season, isn't it? Like Brandy doing this whole, like, no one understands Kim. They're all really toxic for Kim. And really inserting herself, don't get me wrong, Kyle and Kim are fucking toxic as a relationship. But Brandy does insert herself in a way that you cannot understand a sibling relationship as an outsider Mm -hmm. fully. You can't. I certainly wouldn't be able to deal with anyone inserting themselves in any relationship of mine with one of my siblings. And there is something really gets my back up about the way there's something quite controlling in there in its own way about Brandy's kind of like, don't say goodbye. Don't talk. Completely. To yeah. Kyle. She's become Kyle. She's doing exactly what Kyle does. It's to Kim. Brandy. She, yeah. It's it, she lays it on far too thick. She's figuratively hitting him over the head by literally saying no one gets you, but me essentially you know like making those direct comparisons and it's just she's like her new like bad boy abusive boyfriend and it's like it's not subtle it's not doing her any favors it's like it's 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 a fight that brandy's not gonna win as you say kyle's her sister she's gonna be there for the rest of her life whether she likes or not the only thing i will say in brandy's defense is that after kyle i was with kyle's mortification up until they come out of the bathroom and then Brandy does want to get Kim out of there. And Kyle says, no, stay, have a bite to eat, have something. Again, you know, maybe with all the best of intentions and she just wants to get some food in her to soak it up, but just get her well, away from the cameras. She, basically, I don't know, because I was looking out for that because I was thinking after what we said last week, I was like, is that a moment where she is keeping her in a scene where if she's worried, she should just be like, go home. Right. But I have to say, watching it back, it's so quick, that moment. I really do believe that she's saying, I would have thought it's more... You know how Kim has such a habit of being like, I haven't eaten for five days and I haven't slept and I have like (laughs) accidentally ate my eye drops or whatever. (laughs) It really feels to me like what all of them are saying is like, maybe eat something before you get in like a two hour car journey. Or take something for the road, yeah. Take something. I didn't see it as being like, stay... Because I think she's like, oh, are you going? Oh, okay. We'll have some pizza and then go. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think at that point that Kyle's like, no, we still have filming to do. Yeah. No, yeah. And I think that Brandy makes it out as if it is that. Mm -hmm. Leading to this kind of interaction where Brandy's acting like Kim's bouncer. (laughs) And Kyle obviously reaches out to be like let me talk to my sister for a moment and brandy is literally she's like a football it's like, impressive yeah around With her. her hands full no less she's got a fucking pizza in one With burger her hand in the full other of pizza yeah yeah <laughs> and then somehow manages to sort of quite swiftly kind of pin kyle around and push her down the stairs well that sounded slightly like spanish soap opera but, <laughs> um, the fact that it looks like the set kyle, of a spanish soap opera as well it, it does <laughs> And Kyle has this very genuine reaction that I find really sad of it's like a child who doesn't understand who's just been like pushed over in the playground and doesn't yeah fully understand what just happened and she's like clasping her womb as well and she's like really yeah it's like a very visceral like, yeah. reaction of like that she I think she just got a really big shock yeah I mean we've slightly got on to like Brandy and Kyle but yeah so we all kind of know that famous moment where they have this physical altercation and then we get after that Eileen trying to kind of make a peace 
lunch. Is that fair to move on to this point? Yeah, although can I just say how funny it is when they move outside and are having that argument and Eileen's husband can just be seen (laughs) (laughs) through the window of the garage. He's all of us at that point. so funny. Exactly. Just like... (laughs) He's really taking it. Probably going to get a beer or whatever. Like, he can't believe they're all still there. Women, eh? Scrapping in the driveway. Um, Peace lunch. The point I wanted to say is that at this peace lunch, because Eileen feels very strongly about this because she has several sisters and she actually, unlike Brandy, gets that sisterhood is very complicated and can be messy. And Mm -hmm. she, in the last five years, has lost two of her sisters very suddenly. So she knows that life is short and it's not worth it to dwell on these sorts of petty squabbles. So she brokers a peace lunch that Kim and Kyle go to. And Kyle... It's difficult to, despite what we just said about Brandy, trying to equate her relationship with Kim to Kyle's relationship with Kim. It's difficult to completely co-sign on Kyle's indignation when she kind of makes that very blithe comparison because it's not a conventional sisterhood, as we've discussed, and it's one that's built on very uneasy grounds. And Kyle says to Kim at this lunch, genuinely dumbfounded, why, Kim, would you immediately assume that my intentions are to hurt you when all I want to do is protect you? And even as an objective viewer, there's a part of you that wants to go, Mm. I mean, should we roll the tape of you outing her as an alcoholic? And like, it's not like Kim's operating out of complete paranoia here. Like, she does have some reason to be wary of how much she gives her sister. Yeah, but I guess on the flip side to that, what's so frustrating is that Kim always demands like absolute loyalty from Kyle in the face of quite indefensible behavior as Kyle so famously says in Amsterdam, but not just indefensible, but also in the face of quite mad behavior. Like we were saying about accountability, you know, she has a drinking problem and then occasionally she will behave as if she's drunk and then get upset as if everyone's being unfair. I agree with you, but I think it's unfair that Kim then always turns around and is a bit like, you never have my back. You never unflinchingly defend me. And it's like, why would she? Right. Yeah. So I guess that would be... The other side of it is that Kyle's like, why do you always, why are you always annoyed with, like, I'm always in trouble. But it can't be one way. It can't be like Kyle always defends Kim and turns a blind eye to any of this bad behavior. But Kim never has Kyle's back. Yeah. Kim saying, why do you never have my back? And Kyle saying, why do you always assume the worst of me? They're both asking questions that completely absolve themselves, I guess. And I think what they, exactly. what Eileen is trying to get at here is that they really need to sit down and have that difficult conversation. Eileen says to Kyle, if Brandy wasn't in the picture, do you think you would be back on track? And Kyle says, yes. And I think she's not really, that can't be true. I do think Brandy is kind of a symptom mm. of a bigger issue here that they've never fully gotten to the bottom of. And I think it's one thing to yeah. apologize and hug and make up on the reunion couch in season one about the limo thing and then go on to the new storyline. Yeah. But obviously life is much more complicated than that. I just think they both, they're doing themselves a bit of a disservice here. Is it time for us to talk about Amsterdam? Let's do it. Let's do it. Yay! Ah! God, it's so good. Uh, it's one of my top I couldn't fights. believe it watching back. And you know what's so amazing is the fact that now I feel like you'd never, ever have something like the Amsterdam fight at like the beginning of an episode. Oh, completely. They, yeah. It's like 10 minutes into an episode rather than being some big to be continued. Normally, I I think now we would get loads of filler and they would drag that out for like two episodes. Right. And it comes so out of nowhere. It's like they land in Amsterdam, they go for lunch, and all hell breaks loose. Uh, completely. I mean, it's before that that I think we need some context of oh, why. Context, all... schmod text. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to say because Rinna, this is why Kyle is annoyed with Rinna in particular, because she. Kyle, Kim. Why, sorry, why Kim is annoyed with Rinna in particular, because Rinna said to Kim. I was really worried about you the other night and asked her about what her program is. Does she have a sponsor? Mm. And Kim brushes it off by going, blah, 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 right? And then Kim finds out, yes. <laughs> My response to most things. Right? <laughs> and then Kim finds out from Brandy that Rinna had lunch with her and brought up these same concerns. But Brandy conveniently leaves out the part where she also agreed with everything that Rinna said and was like, yeah, Kim has an issue. So Kim's really got her hackles up. And Kim says 
as they're boarding this private jet to go to Amsterdam. These are personal questions. I don't think it's anybody's business where I went to treatment. And if I have a sponsor, if she really had a concern, she would come to me because that's what people do. And it's like, first of all, she did come to you. Second of all, she talked to other people about it because rather than giving her an answer yourself, you literally said blah, 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 blah. Thirdly, you're on a reality show. So you've made it everyone's business. Yeah, yeah. And you said as much in the last season that you're happy for that. And fourthly, even without the cameras, Rinna saw you fall off the wagon whether you like it or not it's very reasonable for someone to go what the fuck was that all about is she okay absolutely i don't know maybe i'm two-faced in general if i have to have a difficult conversation with someone and i'm gearing myself up for it i think it's quite normal to run that conversation beforehand with somebody else before you have that conversation with your friend but this is such a habit with the whole show endlessly especially on beverly hills which is a sense of like you get someone like erica always being like Don't go to other people, talk to me. Mm -hmm. This sense of, if you're brave, you'll just come directly to the source. We all, as humans, talk to other people Mm -hmm. about a problem we're having in our life. Completely. It's totally ludicrous, the idea that... And also, they all have a tendency, when someone then talks to them, to be like, you humiliated me, or you did it at the... They're they're always saying it's not the time or the place. Completely. Or it's hardly the time or the place. God, I'm reading from how bad my Erica impression was. We have to work on that before we do an <laughs> no, episode. No, but you, I will it. say you do a fantastic. I'm not going to give away what it is, but you did it for me in private. Your impression of Erica crying, <laughs> she's talking when she's crying, is the best thing I've ever heard. Erica's voice is is so particular. That's going to be um an interesting one. So that's the the context. But uh, everything you just said is so true. That the kind of four point plan you just laid out of why Kim is wrong. And what's fascinating, am I okay to go into the the lunch, dinner? Sure. So what's fascinating to me is that having said all of that, Rinna now does go to Kim and she doesn't, I mean, obviously she technically is bringing it up again, but she does do it in an apology. And she does, I think I find Rinna quite relatable in that moment that effectively she keeps being told off for something. So what she keeps trying to do is to explain why she's not a bad guy. So... She does pick quite a funny moment off the back of Yolanda saying that her daughter's just got a DUI and Lisa just like starts crying about how her sister died from alcohol Mm -hmm. abuse, which I'm not sure that that's like the best springboard off of what Yolanda said. Like, I'd feel quite shit if I was Yolanda and someone was like, it's just really triggering because someone I know died from alcohol. You'd be like, great. Uh, See, this is interesting because I got the impression that Yolanda was being really sneaky and doing exactly what she should be doing, which is starting up the Kim drama all over again. By bringing up you this think? thing. With the way it's just like, let's just go around the table and talk about anything, anything you want, you know, drugs or drinking or pills sure. or anything at all. And then I think Lisa, one thing you can say about her, she's very good. At, she's a producer's dream. I think she's very good at noting what the tone is for the scene at the top. Yeah. And then taking it and running with it. And I think Lisa thought from like, we're going to have like a sit around and braid each other's hair moment where we get vulnerable. She committed yeah. to that fully, but still getting that this is maybe meant to be like a kumbaya moment with Kim. And I genuinely thought that she was doing that as an apology so that they could wrap this totally. up. Totally. And I think she does it quite well that she's like, look, I just want to explain if I have been going on at you about drinking, that's why and where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And Kim sat there with a face like thunder. It's so good. And it's so clear that Kim has been waiting, effectively, yes. I think, Seething. for Lisa to bring pretty much any reference to her or her drinking because it's like she has this little pre-prepared you're always airing my dirty laundry so like let's see how you like it if I get yours out speech and she literally it's like a little monologue that she starts it and as they're speaking she's already like going into sentences that we'll hear later yeah which just shows that it's it's literally like she's memorized it yeah she's like I'm gonna be like this is why it's not okay because it hurt my family so let's talk about the husband let's talk about your eating disorder let's talk like she's she is ready to go and Mm -hmm. she just doesn't count on like Eileen and like Lisa Vanderpump and things like that and so she gets totally unnecessarily vicious yeah so quickly which we see all the time with Kim which is like she gets cornered and goes not to 100 it's she's a bit like Ramona in that sense completely 
but she goes so underhand. Goes like, so below the belt. And it's just, it's, it's frustrating. It's insane. It's like the only person you're hurting is yourself, you know, because Kim, she's made so many great strides in her recovery, but has ignored this major part of it, which is if you're an addict, you have to sort of atone for your sins, as it were. For sure. I'm assuming that's a central no tenant. No accountability. There's no accountability. One of, I mean, one of the central tenants of with AA, I think I've talked about this before on the show, is that you have to go to everyone that you've like hurt in your life and apologise. And it's like Kim just missed the accountability chapter of the AA. Completely. Handbook. But also I was just going to say, it's so interesting that Kim goes so below the belt, but is the first person to call out this whole thing constantly of being like, my family's been hurt. My life has been hurt. I can't even, honestly, later we're going to have to get into like her defense of Kingsley, like oh it's her son. Yeah. Where it's like, this is ridiculous that you're allowed to go after someone's eating disorder, mm-hmm. but we're not allowed to talk about your dog. It's one of my favorite tropes in Housewives in general, that whole thing of my kids are off limits and how slippery that is and how people manipulate yes, the meaning of always. that for their benefit. Like we see it with Salt Lake City and at the also, moment. It's like whenever the any, I was just about <laughs> to say that. I was just about to say with Salt Lake City, the way that Meredith has such a, a leg to stand on by being like, you are directly hurting my son. And Jen just immediately is like, what about my kids? Yeah. And it's like, what? <laughs> like they had to hear about my vagina. Right. And it's like, yeah, that probably really hurt them yeah like they all do that that thing of like someone goes you directly hurt my child and the other one's just like well what well, about I my have kids like, well, I what about my kids? And... exactly i have children yeah and a dog so her obviously her first snipe <laughs> I can i just say before say the snipe of... can i just before oh. we get into the nitty-gritty of it is that i still think oh, you, go. even if there's not an apology and there's no accountability it's common courtesy to just say, even if you're not an addict, I'm sorry for calling you a fucking disgusting slut last night. I wasn't in a good way. And I feel like... Sure. I should. But she says, I don't owe anyone an explanation. And I just think it bears emphasizing that, yes, you do, because you're an as addict. As a human, yes, you do. And as a human, like, it's worth saying, yeah, I was off my rocker the other night and here's why you don't get that's as an addict that's very just... strange is exactly her defense always of like why do any of you care where it's like because you were an incredibly rude awful human last right. night regardless like it's so again zero accountability yeah you don't get to, the way she just glides right over like i i'm sober i took a pill for pain that wasn't mine and it's no yeah, big yeah. deal and it's like whoa, whoa 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 that's like a major thing here like let's just sit in right. that for a second sorry as you were well, I was just going to say her first snipe, I think you would agree, is one of our favourite snipes of <laughs> of the whole of Beverly Hills. When Kim turns to Eileen and says, I've had enough of you, you beast. <laughs> and Eileen goes, beast. <laughs> it's honestly, in that like three seconds, I would say Eileen like justifies her entire existence on this show. Otherwise, I honestly don't know why she's there. But she does give us that beast. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? She's the MVP of this. Like, you can't really hear it because there's just a, at a certain point, there's just a general white noise of screeching. But Eileen's just sat there the whole way through the dinner with her arms you're crossed. Disgusting. Yeah, she's like, shame on you. You're disgusting. Shame on you. You're disgusting. Oh, you're a piece of work. You're a scary, vicious human being. Like everything is so lofty <laughs> and like archaic and How over the top. And it's so soapy. It's so it's good. Soapy. She's so soapy. <laughs> That's the best thing about Eileen is she is so soapy she and it's all like delivered with this like chocolatey intonation it's like you're revolting i can't even look at you right now you're revolting how dare you brandy beast brandy in her foul mouth you came into my home yeah (laughs) Yeah, when she goes actually you didn't yeah you You didn't didn't apologize the fact i thought kim is so horrible when she's like i don't like anything about you from your hair to your face your hair It really makes me laugh as well because I'm like the idea that any anyone would be swayed by someone's hair. Like right. the hair's fine, the rest is shit. <laughs> yeah, she really rips her apart. Oh. Um, one of my favorite things about this scene is that I cannot watch it now without having the ASMR. Oh, I'm so glad you brought head. that up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the second it goes to Lisa Vanderpump, yeah. all I can hear is she does. She does defend you, Kim. She does does. defend you, Kim. She does defend you a thousand percent. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. She does.
लास्ट बन चुके For anyone who hasn't seen it, please, oh, please watch the Amsterdam fight, the ASMR cut oh, that's been put together so on YouTube, funny. because it is one of the most glorious bits of editing it's that anyone's so ever done. Brilliant. But it will ruin this scene for you forever. Right. Um, the I just want to talk about the bread line about yeah, yeah. Um, this again, totally pre-prepared comeback that pre-baked comeback that Kim throws out of why don't you eat a piece of bread and maybe you'd be okay and I find it so it's really it's not okay and generally I find I mean just a trigger warning I mean I think that's probably supposed to be at the beginning but just talking briefly about eating disorders I think it's very clear that Lisa Rinna has some sort of issue with food mm. and the show tried I mean, I say the show or Rinna herself tried for her first few seasons to sort of turn it into a joke and turn it into this thing of being like, I love food. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. And then as it's gone on, she's definitely alluded to it more and other people have alluded to it far more. You know, I love Garcelle. I think she's one of my favorite housewives ever. But I did think it was um, a lot when she was like, do you think your daughter has an eating disorder because of you? Yeah. Was a big statement to say, I think, especially because the show hasn't, hasn't owned that at all Mm -hmm. and so it was particularly intense to bring it out but i think it's become very clear that lisa renner has has issues with food so the idea that kim could say that and again i'm coming back to this accountability thing but kingsley is off limits but i can not just make a comment about your eating disorder but make some weird snide joke yeah as if it's like your behavior is because you're... I just I, it, I just think it's terrible. It is. Everyone's reaction around the table. You really feel everyone bristle. And like, you, whoa. Yes. It really belies what you were saying about the context. And I, and I definitely think it's what turns the knob up on this scene generally. Yeah. It's like Kim has gone for like the two most painful things she can do. Quick question. Do you think Kim actually has dirt on... No. Harry Hamlin and their relationship? No. Because... It's funny, now, seasons later, I think no. And I have to say, like her or loathe her, I do think Harry Hamlin and Lisa Rinne have a very great relationship. Right. But at the time, her response is so explosive that it did make it look like she had something. Yeah. I remember when I watched this the first time, I definitely was like, whoa, what's going on with Lisa Rinne and her husband? Yeah. Are they splitting? Like, is he with someone else? Whatever. And now it's funny because we look back and Lisa Rinna's like, yeah, I don't know what she was talking about. What's Harry That's done? the thing. After all these years, I just think knowing Rinna and I feel like she gets the assignment, as the kids say, and I think she's happy to perform. Sure. I think she was like, oh, okay, this is like going to be a uh, glass shattering We're doing like a huge right housewife going to make the trailer so maybe she was was pushed as well by like kim there's something so vile about the way that kim doesn't rather than going on the offensive and being like let's talk about the husband the way she goes on the back foot and is a bit like oof and does like this little shrug and it's wrapped up in a double negative it's like let's not talk about what you don't want out you know you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of ramona's i don't not not like yeah right not not like you (laughs) it's like just commit to the bit right now yeah it's so but lisa winner goes straight for her throat she really does try and strangle (laughs) it's mad and then when she slowly rises from her seat and she grabs that wine glass don't you ever it's so good. You can replay it ad nauseum, slow motion, sped up. You can always find something new. It's to look at. ASMR, exactly. It's like The Last Supper. It's so dynamic. Everyone's like up yeah. and moving and they're bobbing and diving and they're interlinked. It's like a very intricate, beautiful piece of modern dance. And then, and then Kyle's run out of the restaurant <laughs> oh like she's God. in fucking War of the Worlds or 28 Days Later or something is one of the most cinematic shots. She's got her cape is sort of billowing behind her and she does this turn back. When I'm on my deathbed and I'm breathing my final <laughs> breaths on this earth and the parish vicar's by my side and he's like, any last words, I will say that image of Kyle fleeing the dinner with her cape billowing behind her will never not make me laugh. It's so campy and it's high drama and there's like wind and rain outside. She's like running into a hurricane. There's these like big open bonfires for no reason. It's like a medieval courtyard outside. (laughs) It's so Game of Thrones. It really is. It's like she's been banished from the kingdom. And also she's literally looking back like someone screaming there isn't time. No, it's Like, like... Leave it, there's no time to go. (laughs) (laughs) 
he's in oh Sharknado. By the way, did you know Kim Richards is in Sharknado 3? Oh, and have you up. seen the clip? It's so funny. Uh, <laughs> little fun piece of trivia for you there. Um, oh. However, as funny and as camp as Kyle's run out the restaurant is, one thing I will say is the aftermath of this fight is the most shell-shocked I think we ever see this group of women. They're oh like God, all crying. A hurricane. It's like Kim has single-handedly come in like a tornado and just rained yeah. holy fucking terror on these women. They're all huddled together, crying on the they street They are crying in the rain. like they've just found out one of them is dying. Yeah, hugging each other. Like even Brandy, who's her ally, she sat there like shaking in the corner, picking bits of glass out of her hair. She's like shell-shocked. Exactly. Brandy like can't string a sentence together. Yeah. At that point, Kim, and Kim doesn't seem to even really, like, know what she's done. It's like, the way Kim walks up is just like, I thought she was gonna, I thought she was gonna, like, strangle me, or whatever. (laughs) And it's like, Kim just does not get what's going on. And Brandy's a bit like, uh, like, she's created a monster. Yeah. And the rest of them, even the way that they all go back to the hotel and the way they're sat having a drink, it's honestly, it's like a huge natural disaster's just happened. And they're all, like, how will life move on from this it's so funny it's like b-roll footage from a charity for war-torn lebanon or something and they're just like <laughs> sitting here in these tatters with subtle on their faces and they're like what <laughs> hurricane kim has blown into town yeah it's like a bomb has just gone off and they're all being given cups of tea afterwards to like recover it's so huge the response and at that point you're like kim should just be off the show right before we talk about Kim leaving the show, can I quickly gauge your thoughts about this meetup that her and Kyle have at Kyle's house in Palm Springs? Is this the one where she goes, you're lying! You're lying! <laughs> no, that wasn't, you're lying! You're lying! <laughs> yeah. You're lying! You're lying! This isn't the goddamn house that Kyle stole from Kim, but it's the one that she bought from the sale of selling that yeah. goddamn house. Inviting Kim over to the goddamn house in Palm Springs, specifically to tell her that Brandy, her only friend on the show, has been talking shit about her and doesn't think that she's sober, Mm. is classic Kyle Richards. That, for me, sums up Kyle Richards in a nutshell. Sure. It just feels like a power move. And it's also, it's an, an, I like hearing the ins and outs of this house situation because they both kind of bring it up from their own perspective but it gets so convoluted they're all talking about cancelled checks Mm. and brokers fees and it is kind of easier in my head to just sort of keep it simple and pretend that Carl's a demon who straight up stole the house from Kim and Kim's everything that's innocent and pure in this world yeah I love that you're lying line it's like her demon voice comes out it's very much like when it's like amazing it's like the Vicky Gumbelson demon voice we get it once a season maybe when she's really cross it's like it's just enough for it to become a tradition, but not too much that we get tired of it. Oh, it's so good. You're supposed Goodbye. to be my friend! <laughs> my friend! My sister! My, my sister! <laughs> <laughs> I have never slept with multiple persons! <laughs> um, so I've now got some stuff on... <clears throat> oh, that hurt my voice. On reunions. Okay. On both some season five reunion and some season six. Cool. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was in the season five reunion, I think it's the one where Kyle cries about the fact that she's not invited to Kim's daughter's wedding. That's one of those moments I want to take her line reading and like pocket it. The way she does I, it. So she does it. And I remember I cried the first yeah. time I saw that. I might have had PMS or been on my period. <laughs> so it might have been... A bit like the other night when I was watching Strictly and I was crying at the first male couple there's ever been on Strictly because I was like, it's just so emotional. They're so powerful. (laughs) Um, But I remember watching that and and crying because I think of how she says it is just very raw. No, the way, yeah. Yeah, That reunion is just really interesting between them because it's another, it's just on that accountability front. It's in a way the best example we have of Kim taking no accountability whatsoever and not being able to deal with any of her stuff being on the show. Right. But then going after Kyle's parenting and doing this thing that she does again and again that I can't bear, which is to threaten them constantly yeah. with There's this sense of like, about, do you, do, do you want me? Yeah. And it's a very cruel thing to do to always be like, you know, do you want me to say, or you don't want me to say, or I'm going to say this and you're not going to like it. And I think it's summed up really well when Andy Cohen just says, so you'll just imply it on camera. Right. And he's basically being like, 
Kim is implying like, you all say this terrible stuff and I would never do that. And Andy Cohen's being like, no, you do worse, which is you imply there's a bigger story, but then go, I don't want to talk about it or I'm not going to do that. And it's like Lisa Rinna says it really well as well in that reunion where she's like, so why be on a reality show? Exactly. This is when I think when Kim's saying like, she's refusing to talk about the dog and she's getting really emotional because she's like, his family. And it's like, it's a dog. Why are you on a reality show if no one's allowed to talk about like the dog, the kids, your home, your drinking? Get off the show. Right. You shouldn't be on the show. No, Andy has like a zero tolerance policy in general at the reunions when Housewives try and self-edit. He had the very similar energy of shutting it down as he did with Ramona that one season when she was breaking up with Mario and she was like, so good, a beautiful life and a beautiful family and that's all I want to talk about, okay? And then he's like... No, no like and she's like well who are you fucking why don't you tell me and he's like well i'll tell you when i'm on a reality show and i'm fucking someone and they're on the show with me. exactly like, he really yeah i really really felt for kyle in that reunion because we had like a wide spectrum of emotional turmoil in kyle from that beautiful line that we were just saying when she's crying about not being invited to brooke's wedding or whoever's wedding and then that really quietly stoic moment where kim's like i'm happy with my place in life right now i'm happy not speaking to kyle like i'm i'm fine you know mm. and there's just like a quiet look of resignation yeah. on kyle's face that just like speaks a thousand words yeah kyle kind of nails how to do a reunion on that one i really remember empathizing with her so much especially again back to accountability the fact that she's like kingsley bit her daughter enough for her to be in hospital and again kim doesn't even say like Kim is somehow makes it Kyle's fault and goes after Kyle's parenting and that thing. And again, it's so weird not to be like, I'm sorry, my dog bit your daughter, but whatever. Like there's no, yeah. it's literally, she's like taking a dog's side. Like, don't get me wrong. I love my dog who's just walked in now, but I don't like defend my dog's moral compass. Right. Like she's a dog. Is the dog still around or was the dog put they're down? Very, they're very, she gets very cagey about, about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, the way Kyle cries, and I just want to bring this up in comparison to, we just have to talk about Lisa Rinna's crying on reunions. And that does bring me on to Bunnygate. And I do just want to talk quickly before we wrap up about the Bunnygate at the reunion, because it is one of, before she sort of fades into obsolete, like background noise. Like I think about the most recent series and that bit when they go to a restaurant and Kim's just sort of there and she looks like a ghost of her former self. Kim, I feel now, is really not a part of the sort of architecture of Housewives. It's interesting because I think, if I may, the one of the interesting things I do appreciate about latter year Beverly Hills is that it's amassed such a colourful mythology like a list of alumni that virtually sure. any housewife could turn up at Kyle's white party, even if it's Joyce. And I'd be like, oh! and like even the mention yes, of yeah. a name, like when Erica talks about Yolanda this season, like it, it took my breath away. Yes, and yeah. so we have this context of Kim. Bring back She's like, right. <laughs> the Don't major bring back injustice. Um, I think within that context, Kim, I kind of said last week that she's a bit like a ghost. Like, or like you yeah. said just now, I think she's like this, it's like she's a mythological creature that's constantly yeah. being invoked it's like by the women. It's like she haunts the show. She yeah. does. They like talk about her in hushed tones and like, oh, she was caught shoplifting or she's fallen out with Kyle again. Totally. Or she's fallen off the wagon again. And that coupled with the inevitable flashbacks to like, you stole my goddamn house, given to us completely out of context. It just distorts our perception of Kim more and more. Like she becomes, it's like she's Candyman. It's like say her name five times in the mirror yeah, and she'll yeah. appear and call you a slut pig or something. And that person who normally yeah. says her name five times is Rinna. And it's one of my yes. favorite things though. It's like a highlight of the season when it's guaranteed for Kim Richards to come back and duke it out with Lisa Rinna. Lisa Rinna, true. But I do think Bunny Gate is the last time it sort of takes center stage. Mm-hmm. And it is just crafted it's the way that it's like comes off of quite a nice conversation and then the pause after kim's like well and then she like hitches up a dress and sort of like swings over the back of the sofa to grab something and there's just like a load of ominous rustling and then kyle has the biggest overreaction when the bunny gets brought out she acts as if kim just pulled out a gun yeah she's cowering also it's like the slow walk and the journey across the room to give her back Mm. the bunny she doesn't i got the bunny like i got the bunny 
because I never gave it to my grandson. She went very old school to your <laughs> yeah, that was- <laughs> But it feels like that. It feels like something from Goodfellas or something. Because I never gave it to my grandson. Exactly. She's leaving a horse's head in Rinna's bed. So Lisa like starts to cry and Kim goes, you don't have to cry about it. Oh. And Lisa does this look up. And honestly, I could only dream of doing screen work one day as right. powerful as Lisa's look up as that one tear. A single tear. I couldn't dream of it's, doing something perf- as effective as that. perfection. Televisual perfection. It's perfection. It's just genius. Genius! Beautiful nightmare, Kim. Do you know what we're going to talk about next? Um, I... <laughs> I really do want to do a Carlton episode. I'm going to hold you to it. Okay, so James James and I have been talking about this. I have to say, I don't think potentially out of any, apart maybe Vicky Gumbleson, but I don't know if any other housewife has ever got my back up as much as Carlton did. I like viscerally dislike her. Uh, so yes, I'm all in. She was a one season wonder, but God, she gave so much. She gave so much in such a short amount of time. And I can hear everyone collectively groaning at home. But like, I think the fact that you hate her, and I think that she's one of the true unsung heroes of the Beverly Hills canon, will make for a very Stop. interesting debate. So maybe we could have a, a, a vote at the end on Instagram to see. It's a bloody where stupid idea. <laughs> bloody ridiculous. <laughs> It's all she ever fucking said. Of course I bloody don't. I hate her like sexy voice that she does with the nanny. And she's like, yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <gasps> she's like a little anyway. Tinkerbell. <gasps> um, yeah. Well, we'll have a, we'll have a ponder. All right. A, uh, yeah. Me and Molly have some howling at the moon to do. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week on the Housewives Archives. If you like what you heard, we'd really appreciate a rating and tell your bravoholic friends about the show. James, did you write this? If you <laughs> yes. haven't already, don't forget copy. to click subscribe. <laughs> don't forget to click subscribe. Please don't. And give us a follow on Instagram don't. at Housewives Archives. James's content really is so brilliant over there. Stop notch. Thanks for joining and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Lying! Lying! <laughs>